0: Learn Persian with Trying Conversation, Raising Nimrunis, a conversation with Shabnam Rezai. Hello, and welcome to Raising Nimrunis, conversations about passing on Iranian culture and language to the next generation. My name is Layla Shams and I am your host. Today's interview is with Shabnam Rezai, co-founder of Big Bad Boo, a production company that specializes in animated series for television and especially television shows that showcase different cultures and languages. I actually met Shabnam many, many years ago in New York. I was working on a board game that teaches kids the Persian language, and Shabdam interviewed me for a really successful blog she had at the time in which she wrote about Iranian culture, a blog named Persian Mirror. Shortly after, she produced a short animated film called Bobak's First Nowruz, which was about a little boy learning about the Persian New Year. The film featured the voices of some famous Iranian actors and actresses and was a huge hit. So after that, she went on to found Aznaz, which is a video subscription program with tons of Persian and other language children's television programming, and she also founded the Big Bad Boo Studios with her husband, Ali. Big Bad Boo is an animation studio and produces lots of amazing programs, so she's a very busy lady. Since I met her, she's also had two Nimruni kids, daughters. I know because of her work, it's important for her that her kids be able to speak multiple languages. I didn't realize, however, that she would be the only person I interviewed to remain successful in speaking to her kids exclusively in Persian. So let's listen to the interview now and see how she does it. Also, again, this interview took place while New York City, where Shabnam lives, was in mega lockdown and in pretty bad shape. Things were not easy at the time, and I hope they've continued to get better since. Shabnam Rezaei, thank you so much for talking with us today. Thanks for having me on your show,
1: Leila. I'm very excited to be here.
0: Me too. So I wanted to start off by saying this year, my older son turned three and a half and I showed him X* first notice for the first time. Aww. Yeah, it was a lot of fun to watch. I hadn't seen it in a long time, but it really helped to get him in the notice spirit. And I actually signed, tried to sign up for a subscription to Osmaz's content after that. And I was surprised that you guys have unlocked it during this period of time. So thank you so much for doing that. Yeah. It's been quite a blessing.
1: Absolutely. I, I went through the same thing just a couple of weeks ago. We had a really tough time trying to get into the No mood because of Corona. And my four-year-old, for the first time, I let her watch back and Friend, the first No And I went through the exact same thing. It was just revisiting the show from a long time ago. I hadn't seen it myself in a couple of years. And, of course, I know every frame of it and every that line of dialogue by heart. So it was really nice to see it again.
0: And it's actually, it's aged so well. And I feel like it's even more applicable now than it was back when I saw it. I mean, obviously I saw it the first time before I had kids, but I feel like it's it's aged really, really well.
1: Oh, yeah, thanks. Uh, I think it's, it's a very universal, timeless story, for sure. Like that struggle of, am I Iranian? Am I American? Where do I belong? What do I celebrate? I think for as long as you're going to have immigrants and people coming from one country to another... That feeling of being left out is a universal feeling, and we're all going to kind of empathize with back when we watch that show. So, yeah. Definitely.
0: Well, so you started Asnaz before you had kids, and even before that, you started with a blog called Persian Mirror. Is that right? Yes. And you talked about Iranian topics, and I think that's how you and I first met many, many years ago. And so you had an interest in these topics before you had children. So can you tell us a little about your professional background and what made you interested in making this type of content?
1: Sure. I studied computer science, engineering and German literature at University of Pennsylvania and started working on Wall Street at a boutique financial software company in New York right after college. And it was a great career. I was moving up the ranks. I lived in London and opened a London office. Then came back to New York and September 11th happened in New York. I was living across the street from the World Trade Center Mm -hmm. and it was a huge shock to my system. It was reminiscent of living through the Iran-Iraq War and the revolution when I was a child in Iran. And it really uh, had an effect on me. And all the negative stereotyping of Iranians being terrorists in the media shook me to the core and I wanted to do something to change the narrative around Iran, Persian culture, uh, and language. So I started Persian Mirror on the side as an effort to try and change that narrative. And it was through Persian Mirror that I came across an aspiring writer-director by the name of Dustin Ellis, who had written the script for Babak and Friends of First Rose. And that's the show we were talking about. We decided to produce that cartoon so that we could show everyone the positive side of Noorooz, which is the most celebrated holiday in my home growing up. And even now uh, I try and keep those traditions for my kids. But that was the beginning of Big Bad Boo. We decided that using media to positively influence how children think about the world, about world cultures and languages is a good thing. And trying to create media that is inclusive and representative of the types of kids that are out there. And now about 10 years later, having started the company and created a proper production company with uh, an animation studio in Vancouver and New York and a distribution arm, and also reaching out to relief organizations like UNICEF for kids, we are here now doing all those things. And so our mission has grown to be all-encompassing. Wow, wonderful.
0: So this podcast series is about people who are married to non-Iranians and raising half-Iranian children. So can you tell me about your husband and what his cultural background is, how you met?
1: Yeah, my husband, uh, his name is Ali Jetta. He is, by his birth, uh, his great-grandparents went from India to Africa, and generationally, for a couple of generations, they lived in Tanzania. They are Ismailis, and Ismailis were given a hard time in Tanzania right around the time Ali's mom was pregnant with Ali. So they fleeed to Zambia, where Ali was born in Dola, the capital of Zambia. When Ali was two, they ended up in Vancouver, Canada. So Ali, much like me, has been through many different places and languages and cultures, and I think that's where we have a commonality. I was born in Iran. I grew up in Austria and then came to the States for college. So he's Canadian of Indian descent. And uh, having been born in Africa, uh, we both feel <laughs> <laughs> we feel like we have the whole world covered. But yeah. That was where we where we had commonality. And Ali is a lawyer by training. He's an entrepreneur, a business person, and a brilliant mind. And we love to get together and talk about different types of businesses. We would start to change the world. And it was one of those dinner conversations that got us to start Big Bad Boot together. So he's my business partner as well now, and we have two kids. And that's. That's us.
0: Wow. Okay. So then between the two of you, what languages do you speak? So
1: obviously you speak Persian. Yeah, I speak Persian and German because I grew up in Vienna. And in school in Vienna, I took up French as a second language. I did a summer in France as a, as a very young high school student. And then when I came to the States for university, I took up Spanish in college. So I speak five languages. Ali speaks English, and he also speaks Kachi, which is the Ismaili language. And Kachi is an interesting language because the Ismailis went from Gujarat to East Africa. And in East Africa, like his parents uh, learned Swahili. And so the language that he and his his mom would speak is a combination of English, Swahili, and um, Kachi. And so it's a very bastardized language. Um, Kachi doesn't have proper grammar and doesn't have proper schooling. So it's a difficult language for us to teach and pass on to our kids. So we decided that we would teach them. um, I, I wanted to raise them with more than two languages just because I felt like it's such a good opportunity to capture their brain when they're growing up and make them mother tongue in these three languages. If we have that ability, which we do. And so it's a really rich gift that you can give to your kids. So Ali and I decided that we would raise them trilingual uh, in English, Persian, and German.
0: Okay. So how are you doing that? How well? First, what is your proficiency with Persian? Like, can you read and write? Did you grow up speaking it?
1: Yeah, I um, I studied until fifth grade in in Tehran, so I have a I have an, a fifth grader's level of reading. Right. And um, so I can read stuff. I, I don't I, I wouldn't say that if you gave me like a sick academic book, it would take me uh, years and years to read it um because I'm slow. I, I can't scan the way I would scan English or German, obviously, like a fluent reader would, but more like a child. So like children's books I'm really good with. I can teach my kids the alphabet and read them books at night in Farsi. So that's really fun. My other two languages that are fluent, I would say, are German and English because I really was more schooled in those at a higher level. And so, um, yeah, that's where my level of language is.
0: Okay. So then what has been the strategy for passing on the languages to the kids?
1: Yeah. So I'm glad you used the word strategy because it is a strategy. (laughs) (laughs) Definitely. (laughs) It's an everyday battle. It's almost like an hourly battle. And I think both partners have to be on board. With what that strategy is. So when Aliana, my first daughter, was born, we had a conversation around it. The minute she was born, I decided I'm only going to speak Persian to her. Mm -hmm. So I started that right away. It was a challenge for me in the beginning. I remember when she was very little because I hadn't spoken Persian on a regular basis to anyone for years and years and years. And so all these words started to come back to me like that were stuck in the back of my head that I had never used. So that was really interesting. And then the decision to only speak a certain language to the kids is challenging because when we're sitting at the dinner table, I would turn to Aliana and speak Persian and then turn to Ali and speak English. Right. And then when Aliana, at a very young age would say something to me in English, I would either not respond or I would say, I'm sorry, I don't speak English to her in (laughs) Persian. Okay. And... She was young enough to believe it. And so that became the way that we were. And then she no longer questioned it to the point where I didn't have to say, I don't speak English.
0: Ah, But then would you speak to your husband in English at the same dinner table?
1: Yep. Yep. I would, (laughs) I would. And a little kid doesn't, doesn't process that.
0: It's a suspension of disbelief, right?
1: (laughs) Yeah, it is. And I think in a way it's also to kids, languages are languages the way we know them in categories. When I speak Persian to her and Ali speaks English to her, they're just words that we're using. So, you know, I would call bread noon and Ali calls it bread. And my kid says, there are just two ways to call this thing bread. Uh Mom calls it noon and dad calls it bread. And I can call it by both things. And depending on the context, I would call it noon or bread. So for kids, the unfortunate cemented categories that adults have, which are barriers to learning, don't exist.
0: Well, so what happened when with your, what is your second daughter's name?
1: Mila. Mila is four now.
0: Okay, so that's a game changer. When she came onto the scene, did things change or did you keep the same strategy?
1: Well, I was really happy when Mila came along because now it meant that I had, we had a majority trilingual speakers in the house wow, okay. and we could overpower Ali. <laughs> it's so much fun because we, we have two secret languages where he doesn't understand anything and we <laughs> we do joke around a lot and take the mick out of him every chance we get because we can. And to be fair, Ali's learned a lot of German and Persian. Right. But yeah, it, it's, I was really happy to get a second person in because I use Aliyam as a teacher to teach Mila and having the majority language is helpful because when you live in any country, that country's language is the primary language, mm-hmm. no matter how hard you try. So it, for us living in New York, the majority language is English and the minority languages are uh, German and Persian. And so those minority languages are always being fought to get airtime with my kids because they hear English on the radio, on television, in their environments, on the street, from the nanny, from their father. It's the winner language. The brain, the human brain is an incredible thing. It wants to take the easy way out and be lazy. Mm -hmm. So by that, what I mean is if I'm looking at the bread and the word bread comes to mind and not the word noon. I'm going to use the word bread if I know the person that's listening to me speaks both languages. Right. It's the reason I don't speak English to my kids because they will not get a response from me. And it forces them to think of the word noon as opposed to the word bread. And it makes their brain think and it makes their brain form a different way because now they are forced to use those words.
0: Mm Hmm. But then how does it work practically like if you're all sitting at dinner are you having two conversations then is everybody having two conversations all
1: the time yeah it's a real challenge and yes we're having multiple conversations <laughs> sometimes I'll turn to Ali and say one thing and I'll turn to Aliana and speak in Persian and then I'll if it's a communal conversation I'll have to translate to Ali what I just told Aliana it is it is a definite challenge and I think once they're older we're going to come out of the forced languages right. because they'll have something formed in their in their brain. But, you know, it's a language can't be it can't be a, a luxury item. It needs to be a necessity in order for someone to use it. So, for example, when my father is able to visit us from Iran, which is very rare, but when he does and the kids are with him, they have to use Persian to communicate with him because his English is not that great. And so that language is being used out of necessity, and that's the time when you really learn it. So whenever you can create situations for your kids when they have to use that second or third language as a necessity, that's when you know you're truly winning. Okay.
0: Okay. I like that. Well, you're the first person I have to say out of, out of the six that I've interviewed so far who has been successful at singing to their kids in Persian. So I'm (laughs) very excited to hear
1: this. (laughs) Oh, wow. Okay. Maybe my strategy is (laughs) working.
0: Oh my goodness. You're the only person everybody else so far has said, you know, has had challenges with it because you know everyone i've interviewed has been married to a non-iranian who can't speak the persian language and so the family language is default english and every and especially when the second kid comes in even if they've had some success with the first kid as soon as the second kid comes in they start speaking english together and then that's it it's over
1: so i'll ask you this like do does the parent the persian speaking parent refuse to answer or do they answer in english they
0: eventually answer in english and give up <laughs>
1: Yeah, see, I think that's I think that's the one rule. If you can stick to it, and I know it's not easy. It's a, it's like right. I said, it's a daily challenge for us. If you can stick to it, I think you'll see incredible results.
0: Right. So you've answered this a little bit, but why is it so important for them to be able to speak Persian? Because, like you said, it is a challenge. Like you've you've had to work on it every single day. So so what keeps you motivated?
1: So, first of all, just from a science perspective, we know that bilingual or multilingual kids their brain is formed in a in a different way. it helps them in their think in their critical thinking capacity, and also later in life when much much later, it can have effects like delay diseases like Alzheimer's and things like that so from a scientific perspective, there are many, many benefits to being bilingual and multilingual. And I'm not, not a scientist. There are multiple articles people can look up. So there's a science reason for it. The other reason I would say is that it's very, very difficult for adults or people beyond the age of 15 to learn a language like a fluent native speaker. Uh, you have a much better capacity of hearing and formulating the tone and the sounds of a foreign language or, or, or other, another language, not a foreign language, another language, if you do it very early on. So for me, the motivation is to get them to speak like a fluent speaker and be able to converse in these other languages so that they have that ability. Why, why is it important that they speak a second language? Obviously, there are many other reasons, one of them being, you know, that it gives them a skill set that will set them apart from other people when they're competing in the workplace, or one day when they're gonna go to college and write on their resume, what are the things that sets them apart. But for me, the most important reason for teaching my kids Persian in particular, also German, is that it creates a sense of identity for them as to who they are and where they belong. And the sense of identity that you give to your children builds in them self-confidence. And having that self-confidence will take them through life like you wouldn't believe. The sense of identity of who you are and knowing that you are loved, knowing that you have a heritage and a background and a family and roots gives you self-confidence. And to me, that's one of the most important gifts I can give to my kids.
0: That's wonderful. I feel like uh, Bobak's first notice definitely showed that very nicely. I felt a big connection with that. Great. Right. What do your daughters speak to each other?
1: So they speak in a jumble of three languages, much like my ah. brother and I did when we were growing up in Vienna. Uh huh. And this goes back to the convenience of the word that's in front of your visual brain when you go to speak. So if I'm with my brother and I'm like, hey, pass me the bread, and I can't think of the bread, and all the words that I know how to say bread... I'll just say the first one that comes to my mind because I'm lazy and because I know my listener, my brother, speaks all the languages that I do. So it's the same with my kids. When they're talking, they would be, you know, saying a couple of words in German in there. We conjugate German words in Farsi or Farsi words in German. They even sometimes throw in English words and I'll let them get away with it, especially as they get older. As I know they have mastered these other languages, I'm going to loosen up the, the rules a little bit. Because the first seven to ten years, I would think, are critical in making sure those languages are, have reached a level of fluency that will never leave them. I, I think of myself, I left Iran when I was ten. And even though growing up after that, I pretty much didn't use Persian very much, it has stayed with me to my core. So if I can get my kids to that age, like around 10, speaking fluently, I, I think it'll stay with them. And obviously it helps to read books and have media and shows and family to talk to so that you're reminded of it all the time. But that's kind of how I see it.
0: Okay. And can they read and write too?
1: So, Aria's uh, learning Persian writing right now. She goes to Pardis, which is a great school here in New York on Sundays. I'm really encouraging the reading and writing because that to me that's a huge part of the language.
0: Right, right. And that for me was a big my my mom had the first class for children in Dallas to to teach us how to read and write. So we had this little community of kids learning how to read and write. And I feel like to me, that was instrumental to keep me interested. Oh, it's
1: it's so huge. A community at Paris is such a nice group of people. The teachers are lovely and sweet and they're all so talented. They're all artistic. And so again, to my point of not feeling weird or left out and feeling like there are other people like you, the communities at Paris are so important to us because Eliana has all these other friends who, like her are trilingual and it's perfectly normal and it's something that makes them so special and so proud of who they are. Right,
0: right. So in what other ways are you passing on the Persian culture? Do you guys do Nowruz? Do you do all the holidays?
1: Yeah, we're really big on Nowruz. Uh, my mom was really big on Nowruz when we were kids in Iran. She would set out the biggest have seen tables, like the entire <laughs> dining room table uh-huh. filled with like sweets and candy and we would do egg coloring and the sabzi. we would grow it. So I, we do that big time now with my kids. And one of the things I've loved is having her friends over from our neighbors to friends at school. And then she takes pride in explaining the half scene to them. Nice. It's super cute. So that's one of the biggest holidays. And Char Basuri, of course, I found these little fire pits that are discs what (laughs) yeah the size of maybe like a um i don't know like a an ipad or something but round and i i set out three of them on the ground and the flames are not too high and not too low so that kids can jump over them and so we do we do trash atmosphere and it's super fun
0: are there other ways that you pass on the culture
1: I mean, we keep in touch with my dad in Iran a lot. Every weekend, we FaceTime or WhatsApp with him. He is always talking about different cities. He's a very well traveled, well read, proud Iranian. So Aliana at Paris might be doing like a a project on the different cities. So she created this book with like Mashhad and Isfahan and all these other cities. And what are the different foods, the different dances from the different regions? So she'll spend some time showing that to my father and they'll have a conversation around the kind of ice cream they have in Isfahan or... You know, how big the field is there with all the moths around it. He brings for them Kurdish outfits because my family's, um, my dad is half Kurdish. So we have like these beautiful Iranian traditional clothes that we might wear to a Nowruz event at um, at Pagis. Um, you know, things like that. Other than the food, too. I mean, we have a big, big um, we love Persian food, big affinity for like Gormes Abzi, Fesan Jun, Zeresh Polo. So that's a huge part. We usually order from Taste of Persia, which is a, a New York restaurant. Um,
0: yeah, I've been hearing a lot about it over the past few months.
1: Yeah, he's he's such a staple of the Persian community here and he delivers food and he knows my kids and um, they call him Amusai. They're, you know, oh. they love him. He's so sweet to them. And so the food is obviously a big part of the culture too.
0: Well, Shabnam, thank you so much for answering these questions. I really, I'm, I'm very refreshed by this conversation. Like I said, you're the only one <laughs> who's been able to do it. So I think a lot of people will get a lot of good strategizing, like you said, out of this conversation.
1: Oh, I hope so. Just stick to your guns. Don't answer in anything other than the language you're trying to teach them, whether it's French or German or Persian. Don't speak English. Don't speak the majority majority language.
0: Definitely. And obviously, you've created so many resources for people to, I mean, another big part of it is for them to be able to see themselves represented in, you know, cartoons and be able to hear their language on cartoons. And obviously, you have all these resources available. Where can our audience find
1: those? Yeah, no, I, I'm glad you mentioned that. We make cartoons and a lot of them are culturally based so that kids can stay connected to their culture. So Babak and Friends of First Noruz was our first cartoon. Uh, for the older age group kids, we have Mixed Nuts, a series that the continuation of Babakan and Friends episode seven, which is a Persian adventure, takes them back to Iran. So that's a particularly Iranian episode with visits to all the beautiful sites all around Iran. Then we have A Thousand and One Nights, which is for the six to nine age group that is on Osnaz. All of the shows I'm mentioning right now are on Osnaz, which is our SVOD platform. Um, that's We've removed the paywall for Corona and parents can access all the content for free. Osnaz has... Content in multiple languages, so Persian and English, German, French, Spanish, a whole bunch of other ones. A Thousand and One Nights and Mixmas are also on Amazon Prime Video if you're an Amazon Prime customer. Uh, and those are in English. But like I said, if you want the Persian version, you can go on Osnaz.com or download the app. After A Thousand and One Nights, we've done Lily and Lola. That's a mini series that is available on Amazon Prime, Osnaz, as well as our YouTube channel. We do have some full episodes now of Wabak and Friends Mixnuts, Nuts and Lily and Lola on the YouTube channel. And um, if you have listeners in Canada, we have a new series called 16 Hudson. That's on TVO Kids, SRC Radio Canada in French, and Knowledge Kids in British Columbia. And that can be found in Persian soon on Osnos. And then for the American audience, uh, we launched a show called The Bravest Night on Hulu. If you're a Hulu Hulu subscriber, that's a great show to watch as well. But all of this is on BigBadBoo.com if people want to see what other properties we make or want to learn more about the show's or have feedback for us. I love to hear from people if they want to write in and tell us what worked, what didn't work, what did the kids love. Those at the end of the day are our critics and I want to hear from the kids.
0: Right. Well, we've been having a great time watching all these cartoons in the Persian language. It's a very easy way for parents to have an immersive experience for their kids, you know, in the Persian language. And I actually, I want to ask you about, there's a cartoon that you have on there with the pencils. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yes, I do. Yeah. So what is the story with that series. Is that from Iran?
1: Yeah. So what we what we did at Osma's because we knew that our production company Big Bad Boo couldn't create content fast enough. And I wanted a huge library of Persian content for families like you and myself. So I contacted other producers in all the languages. And one of the places where we had the most success were public broadcasters because I knew that they would create really good educational content that was high quality. So a lot of the content you see on the Persian channel of Osnaz, which is not Big Bad Boo content, tends to be from IRIB in Iran, which is the public channel. And they're made by different producers in Iran, but we've selected only the highest quality ones of their libra- library. So coloring, um, coloring pencils is one that I really like. Our home is another one. It's a claymation that Hanema that um, Mila watches a lot. And then another one that she really likes is called Baubak, and Bobak the Little Painter, Bobak Fanaq Oshiyosh. It's about a little boy that jumps into paintings, and it's really great. And then the Hush Hush Bahush series, which is me and my family in colors, for the real little ones, they teach uh, colors and words. And I know that just having your, your kids hear this stuff, Will, will make a difference. You would be so surprised how much they can learn from media in terms of their second language uh, learning ability. So while studies have shown that maybe there isn't that much influence, I know my kids, after they watch a show, they start using that vocabulary right away in our daily conversation. So I try and get in at least half of 50% of their screen time for, in our house has to be of the other language, either German or Persian, and I let them choose.
0: Exactly. I think that's a great tip because for me, you know, living in Austin, we don't have this big community of, uh, you know, we don't have this Persian school like you're talking about and we don't have a big community of Iranians around us. But every time, you know, we'll go on Asnaz and we'll, I'll put that Persian filter on and we'll watch some of these cartoons. And there's a huge difference afterwards. My son is a lot more eager to speak Persian with me because he's, you know, he's seen it on the TV which is something he loves. <laughs> you know, it's a big treat for him. And when he sees that language being spoken on the TV, then he's a lot more eager to to speak it with me, which I find very helpful. So, uh, thank you so much for all the content that you produce.
1: Oh, I love to hear that. Thank you so much for letting me know. Yeah, I I don't I don't know how many people are out there trying to do what we're trying to do. My feeling is there are a lot, but we're not connected in a proper way, and I'm really hoping that If you keep doing what you're doing, which is so wonderful, and we just put our head down and keep making content that's culturally relevant and inclusive and in multiple languages, we can create a world that is filled with cosmopolitan, internationally aware kids that will hopefully in future avoid having the kinds of diplomatic problems that our generation has had to deal with. So that's ultimately the goal for me.
0: (laughs) Well, that gave me chills. I definitely agree. And, and it is really the best content. I look for this stuff all the time. And it really is such wonderful work that you do. I really appreciate it. And I appreciate it even more now that I have kids.
1: <laughs> I've
0: always been a big, big admirer of your work, obviously, but <laughs> I'm 100%.
1: Um, I'm, a, I'm a big fan of yours, too. So it goes both ways. Thank you for doing what you do.
0: Well, thank you so much for talking with me today. And, and I know it's very trying times, uh, hopefully we'll be out of this soon and better days ahead.
1: (laughs) That's right. To better days ahead. Thanks for having me.
0: Thank you for listening to the interview. As Shabnam said, Big Bad Boo's content is available on Amazon Prime and Hulu, but you can also see it all on oznaz.com, which is currently completely free. We'll have a link to that website on the show notes for this podcast episode. I'm also the host of the language learning program, Learn Persian with Chai and Conversation, where we have a ton of resources for learning the Persian language for children and adults. So check that out at chaiandconversation.com with chai spelled C-H-A-I. You can also subscribe to this podcast to hear all of our language lessons and other interviews for free. Thanks again for listening and until next time.